But no, I'm so proud of you guys. Amazing effort. But I'll tell you what, what we talk about, man, it's about believing and just playing for 60 minutes and beyond. Whatever it takes. Guys, that wasn't. We made mistakes. Okay, we're going to get a whole lot better between this week and next week. But you found a way to win. You didn't stop believing, man. You've got to believe. And I'll tell you what, man. Since the first day I stepped foot on this campus, I believed. I believed Indiana could do what we just did on that field. I believed it. I had quit talking about it. I've been made fun of. I've been mocked. I never cared. You know what? The best is just to come for you. Three seconds, two seconds. Fredell all the way outside the Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And one out! And one out! And Indiana wins the ball game! Welcome to another episode of the Hoosier Experience podcast. And yesterday, we witnessed an incredible moment for the Indiana football program as they knocked off top 10 team Penn State at home in overtime. Controversial ending, um, and in, just an incredible game. And joining me to, to recap the game and, and talk about its implications for the future uh, for this Indiana football program is Patrick Feltz. Patrick, what's up, man? Hey, Aiden. Uh, it's good to be joining you today. Uh, a day after probably the biggest Indiana football win, certainly of my lifetime and maybe of the last you know 30 years, at least since the last time they won a bowl game back in 1993, probably even a little before then. You know, Some would say all the way back to 1987 when they beat Ohio State in Columbus, uh, the last time they beat a top 10 team, as they uh, did not forget to remind you on that broadcast about 10 different times. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, for, for a billion different reasons, this is a game that I don't think any Hoosier fan is ever going to forget. No, I don't think so either. And and let's just start by talking about it on sort of a macro level because I think that is really the only place to start with, like you said, an Indiana football program that I think the whole country knows by now that that was their last top 10 win after watching the broadcast. <laughs> right. Uh, that's good because my point overall is that this team needed a win on this magnitude and this program needed to – own the day in college football. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. This team was all over Twitter. The videos of Tom Allen in the locker room after the game are going crazy on social media. Basically the entire college football world is, is revolves around Indiana football for a day. And that is a crazy sentence. Right. Yeah. I mean, this was probably the game of the day, right? But uh, it's insane because this is a game I've, I was texting you during the game and uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I've seen this one before. Yeah. I've seen this game a billion times before I've seen this team choke it every single time. I mean, I've been watching this team my whole life. I have been there for, for one win seasons for, you know, having to squeak it out against Indiana state for pinstripe bowl, for the Gator bowl, you name it. But I've seen this game a billion times against a good team, a top 10 team. And they've never won it until now. That is the first time I've ever seen that happen in my entire life. And uh, I was ready to be heard about four different times in that game. There were about four different times I thought the game was over. Yeah. I mean, it was such a 
you know, you see the the graphic of like the win probability that they do, and it's just going up and down and up and down. Let's talk, obviously, you know, talk a little bit about the specific parts of the game. But we, I think we have to start uh, with the final two-point conversion and almost kind of work our way backwards because, you know, the, the start of that game, <laughs> the start of that game feels like a lifetime ago. Um, my dad, who was watching the game, he left at the six-minute mark um, and pretty much missed the entire game. So in overtime, Penn State, pretty easy score. You know, IU comes down, Penix hits Fillier with potentially one of his best throws of the game. And, and we'll talk about Penix, but man, what a fourth quarter in overtime he had, or at least uh, the final drive in overtime he had. Um, and then he, he, Tom Allen goes for two. He said after the game that he's just sick and tired of being close against top 10 team. They had number eight Penn state in the building. And, and he just said, you know, the whole drive, he knew they were going to go for it. And then Penix obviously with, with what is now going to be, probably one of the most legendary moments in, in IU football when he extends uh, to the pylon, gets the two-point conversion, and, and they go crazy. What, what did you no, – You know, I'd argue that's one of the most iconic moments in the history of IU athletics, period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether – you know, I, when I think the, the most iconic moments, you think uh, Keith Smart shot, Christian Watford shot, uh, Lily King, uh, the finger wag – Yep. Uh, which I guess she was a student when she was in the Rio Olympics, although it wasn't an NCAA event. She was still representing Indiana University, and I'd argue that every time she swims, she's representing Indiana University, and you know she's an incredible swimmer. But this is the football moment that I think you'd put on kind of that Mount Rushmore of legendary, iconic IU athletics moments. Because you know, before this, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, what's the best football game of my lifetime? Like. Nebraska last year maybe or like Iowa in like maybe 2000 I think maybe Iowa in like 2006 yeah but uh not a whole lot uh nothing on this magnitude as we've said no it it tops and win week one by a point in overtime that took the most miraculous comeback I think you've ever seen but but you know that Penix play there's a lot of arguments whether or not he was short. And, you know, on first glance, I absolutely thought he was short. I did not think he got in. Still kind of am in disbelief that they didn't call that against IU. I mean, I've seen this a billion times. I've seen it. IU, close call. Of course it's going to go against them, right? They got a break for the first time, I think, in my lifetime. But, absolutely. you know, whether or not you want, you want to argue if he was in or not, the call on the fields he was in, Kind of have to go with that because there was no indisputable video evidence. There was just no way to tell. You know, there was no angle that could really show you whether the nose got across. We could see, you know, these people and Penn State fans and IU fans alike on Twitter going back and forth. You know, the Penn State fans are showing you this this still shot of the ball, which looks to not be in and he's down. But what they're not taking into consideration was that in, if you watch the video, I, I just think that, that the very nose of that ball crosses the white and that's all you need again, right before he goes out of bounds. And, and again, to your point, you, you just can't overturn that after making that call. I, I think if they, if they call that, if they call that no good on the field, then it's no good, you know, after review, would you agree with that? Probably. Uh, that's, that's one that you just – you kind of have to go with the call in the field, I think. But, yeah. 
the fact that it even got to the point of where IU could have a two-point conversion to win the game uh, is remarkable. I mean, they were down eight points with a minute left, minute and a half left, like with all in their own whatever, 20-yard line. Uh, And even more so, Penn State had a chance to run out the clock up a point with, you know, less than three minutes to go. That's yeah. And they didn't. And I think the turning point of this game was Devin Ford going into the end zone instead of down and go to the one yard line. And, you know, it's easy to blame the student, easy to blame the running back, easy to say he should have known to, to take a knee on the one, but he's not paid $5 million a year to know clock management. Nope. That's on James Franklin. James Franklin's the one who, has to know that like the back of his hand and he didn't I think this is just another example of late game James blowing it but I thought Tom Allen thoroughly outcoached James Franklin in this game oh yeah his team did not outplay him no in fact I think IU got completely outplayed you know 488 yards and 211 they they even have 400 I don't even think they had 100 yards going into the fourth quarter if they did they might have had like just over it was some crazy stat like that so no, only ran for 41 yards. You know, if you told me before the game, IU was going to win this game, I was going to say, oh, Penix is going to throw for 400 yards or something. Right. Like, so this game, this game was just the weirdest thing. So we'll start kind of at the top. IU, you know, Penn State comes down the first drive, hits Firemuth for an easy touchdown. And, and you're thinking, great, um, this, this is not in the, going in the right direction. But at the same time, right, this was supposed to be a shootout coming in. Uh, this was supposed to be a battle of two great offenses versus two, you know, maybe good or average defenses. And it really just went the opposite way um, because after that, you know, IU's offense goes three and out. Penn State's offense goes three and out. IU offense back goes three and out. They get the pick off of Sean Clifford, who, who had a really poor first half, but, but overall played a pretty good game. Um, and then IU just scoring 17 in the second quarter and Penn State scoring nothing. And, and IU's up 17-0 at the half. But really, like you said, being kind of outplayed at that point. Um, but they're up 10 at the half. So it was a weird game going back and forth the, to the start of the game where IU, you know, I think kind of gets hosed on that call where they, they add a, a penalty after the review. And, and, you know, Mike Pereira, frankly, was doing a horrible job of explaining uh, – what was happening. There were so many different reviews in this game. They kept cutting to him. He just looked like he had no interest uh, in, in talking to this game. He was in LA. Uh, he kept saying like, Oh, you guys should just have me as a permanent member of the broadcast. Well, Mike, that's your job. So that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like what, what, like he had the least amount of energy uh, possible. You know, but, but after that, uh, that no call targeting got Stevie Scott. So Penn State gets the ball back. You think, oh, they're going to get an easy chip shot field goal. And I was, I was saying, like, they're going to win this game by three. And they missed it. Those two missed field goals kind of felt like there was, there was some greater force almost oh, controlling the game. Those did not feel like, you know, misses. Because, you know, he missed it from, from what, the eight? Something yeah. like that. Like, I mean, it's a, that's a field goal that a, a lot of – a lot of us could make like, it's a chip shot that's something you yeah. know a middle a middle schooler could make like, yeah I mean that was just so crazy he puts it right off the upright and so then they gain even more momentum even after the fumble going into halftime but at the same time no Indiana fan uh was was saying that this game was over and I want to talk before we get into the craziness that ensued about Michael Penix in this game so 
in the first half, right, he comes out and I thought Mark Helfrick, uh, who used to coach the Raider or the Oregon Ducks, and he was a he's a QB guy, and I thought he was making some good points on the broadcast. You know, early on, Penix was rushing things; his, his feet weren't settled. He really probably missed two touchdowns, uh, one to or maybe both to Philly, or, uh, if I remember correctly, or maybe the, he sailed the pass to Freifogel uh, near the end zone. So Penix was was kind of all over the place, really for for you know 57 minutes of this game. Um, but what I want to talk about with him is just kind of the clutch factor. I mean, he really played a, a very poor game. Um, he was frustrating, uh, at least to me, because I, I had such high hopes for this guy. All game long, the offense just couldn't get it going. He was missing throws. I didn't feel like he was getting his feet set. And then on that final drive, after Penn State, uh, Devin Ford, as he said, scores the touchdown. Um, they go up eight. That final drive – those were some of the most incredible lasers I've ever seen by a quarterback. I mean, this guy was throwing absolute darts on a rope with pressure in his face right down the field. Then he scores the rushing touchdown himself. I mean, that throw to Jacoby Hewitt through traffic, that was unbelievable. You know, he just found a new level. And, and early in this game, Penix did not look good. And I don't think I'm going to be alone in saying that. I think just about everybody would agree. He struggled early in this game, you know, for a multitude of reasons. I think the biggest of them just being rust, you know. Yeah. You're thrown out here against a top 10 team. You know, your first game after surgery, haven't played in pretty much a year. And the pressure. Point. The pressure was. A lot of pressure, national TV, you know, conference game week one. That's tough. So, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world that he didn't come out looking like no, you know, I don't. what we expected from him. But, you know. By the end of the game, I think he really showed up. And, and that's, that's not even just a thing. He did. He won this game for Indiana. Oh, absolutely. He took the game into his own hands. I mean, he was on that fight. If you go back and watch that final drive, the throws were right on target, even with the pressure. The pressure was getting to him all day. They were blitzing. Uh, well, had, uh, yeah. on, the, on the offensive line, uh, oh. his, his blind side was just completely missing every every block those oh, were those he, two uh those two sacks on the the final drive yeah it was it was bad I mean uh what's the guy's name Shaka Tony was, Shaka Tony yeah yeah he was coming off the edge pretty much untouched except there was a blocker in his way he was doing nothing about it the left tackle uh I don't know if you know his name I don't have his name uh, it was uh it, I think it was Caleb Jones number 77 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah Caleb Jones was getting abused by Shaka Tony at least on that uh, oh, he was second to last drive. It right? didn't even look like he was trying to block him. But the crazy thing about this game is that if he doesn't get sacked there twice, like they probably don't win the game because if they get any amount of yards, Penn State can't can't score the walk-in touchdown. Yep. You know, so it's just so crazy to think about how many little things altered the outcome here, and and really how lucky Indiana was, even though they did have the lead. Like this team, again, as you've said that. 211 to 488 total yards. They the Penn State time of possession. Penn State had 40 minutes. IU had 19, 35. Like that's on. Maybe at 20 minutes of possession. If you <laughs> you look at the stat sheet and you tell me Indiana wins, there's that's unbelievable. 3.4 yards per play, 41 rushing yards. Like I mean, but the other issue is, I saw Bill Connolly of ESPN. His model said the post game win expectancy which is basically like judging by the stats, who should have won the game. 
I believe last year, the IU Penn State game, it might have been like 87% for IU or 75% for IU, some giant number. This year, IU 5%, and they still won. Wow. Things like that don't happen to this team. It's, no. It feels like they turned a corner last night. It really does. And, and it was just such an unbelievable game. So let's try to make sense of this fourth quarter a little bit. So IU up 2014, they get a field goal from Campbell early in the uh, fourth quarter. But even at that point, I was, it, it was annoying because the offense wasn't taking any time off of the clock. And it was just frustrating because it, like that, that drive I think was a nine play 44 yard drive that took a minute 42 off the clock at that point uh, when Campbell hits the field goal with 13 minutes to go. So they're up six with 13 minutes. We get two punts in a row. Then the IU defense stops them on fourth and one at the IU 25 with four minutes and 55 seconds to go. So I use up six with the ball, four minutes, 55 seconds, uh, at which point Peyton Hendershot drops what was probably the game-winning, game-sealing touchdown. Uh, Penix puts the ball right on him. His defender had fallen down. If he didn't score, he was going to run at least 30, 40 more yards before he got brought down, and that would have essentially sealed the game. So, I mean, you and I are texting. At, at the point of the Hendershot drop, it just feels over. I mean, it feels that like gonna they're going to come down and score, and they did, actually. But The Hendershot drop felt like it, it, it was this game's – I thought this was going to be this game's Gator Bowl onside kick. Yep. And it feels like every IU game, every close loss, every heartbreaker, there's always one moment, and I was like, there it is. There it is. That's Indiana football right there. And if it wasn't that – it was going to be the other actual onside kick, squib kick, whatever that right. was, that I thought was going to cost them the game and set up Penn State for a long field goal. Right, and we'll get to that. So so then, you know, I uh, Clifford throws a great ball to Jahan Dotson, who gets behind the defense, 60-yard TD. Uh, thankfully, that happened quickly because they could have easily worked the clock down, but that happened. There's still two minutes and 30 seconds left. So IU gets the ball back only down one, basically in a two-minute drill situation. And that's the point where, where we're talking about where, where uh, Shaka Tony just essentially, it's his drive. He just owns the drive. Yeah, he sacks Penix back-to-back times on first and second down. It's third and 21. Penix gets pressured by Tony. He has to throw it away. Uh, and then he just throws one up for grabs on fourth and 21 from the IU 14. But like I said, because they were that far back, that allowed the very next play to be the Devon Ford 14-yard run, Tom Allen said after the game, he called the, the you know, let them score defense. And like you said, James Franklin didn't have his team prepared or Kirk Shiraka, who, of course, we had to keep hearing his name on the broadcast as well, uh, the, the much, much hyped offensive coordinator from Minnesota. You know, that's one where I, I agree with you that it's a situation where if you're a, a player in the game, if you're a student athlete at that point, you're just not necessarily thinking like that. That is on the job of the coaches. That is on the job of the people who are in charge, who have been in situations like this before, to let you know to fall down there. Uh, not only that, there are no fans. You can scream at them. I mean, it's like it, you, you don't have to be transparent about it because I use being transparent about letting you score. Just yell at him. I mean, it, again, like there's just no excuse for that. And, and when Penn State fans say that he was short, that they got robbed, you have to go back to that play and say, no, you gave literally gave the game away with that play. Well, you gave the game away with that play, and then you gave the game away by letting Indiana drive down the field in the last minute and a half 
a team that had had so much trouble moving the ball period all day long and then drive, drive right down the field yeah. not only get a touchdown but then get the two-point conversion too yeah let that happen and then you let them get you know even get even getting the chance to play for overtime is crazy and, and, and the thing Penn State should have done is after they scored that touchdown which number one they shouldn't have scored they should have kneeled out the clock and then you know played from there right I mean, they should have gone for two. They yeah. should have gone for two there because, let's say they get the two-point conversion, a nine-point game, that yeah. is unwinnable. That puts the game on ice. A seven-point game, I think, is kind of the same thing as an eight-point game because IU probably would try and send it to overtime instead of win it in regulation, you would think. But I thought they would have played for double overtime yesterday too until they didn't. Uh, in, yeah. right, in real time, when I saw them go for two, I was like, oh, no, they're going to break my heart again. I am just so scarred by this team. And they got it. I didn't yeah. think they got it. They got it. And my, yeah. Michael Penix is the hero. He got it. He is. And that drive that he led, a seven-play, 75-yard drive. It only took a minute 20 off the clock. Where was uh, that all day? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That if that – and I think that is, like, this the peak of this offense. And if they can put together some drives like this, um, they will be a force to be reckoned with this year. And I think we all think – that they're on the right path. Although Michigan, by the way, looked very good last night. Um, right. Surprising. Yeah, well, Minnesota, did, Minnesota didn't look great. So no, they didn't. Um, yeah. Like I said, that drive was pretty incredible, uh, in, especially when you consider that he was throwing not only to Fogel, Penix and Hendershot, but also to Javon Swinton, who made his first two career catches, Jacoby Hewitt, as I mentioned, uh, who made his first career catch, just one incompletion on that drive, and, and it was all Penix throwing until he ran in the TD. He then runs in the two-point conversion. Uh, but then, as you mentioned earlier, this game was not done surprising us as Jared Smolar, uh, it reads here on the the you know game recap, Jared Smolar kickoff for 14 yards. That was supposed to be one – and by the way, he'd been putting him out of the end zone the entire game. That was supposed to be just a kickoff out of the end zone. Tom Allen's going crazy. Like, what just happened? We're all thinking to ourselves, did the kicker just, like, intentionally, you know, onside kick it, like, just go rogue? No, it looked like on the replay that he, he like, just messed up a squib kick and the, the Penn State guy was able to grab the ball at the Indiana 49. Um, what was going through your mind at that point? I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah, no, that was maybe – that was the, the last time in regulation when you're like, this thing's over. You're like, come on. Yeah. And then they set up that kick, and I'll tell you what, I thought that kick went through. I thought it did, but it was short. It was just ever just, so short. Just and so many moments of this game, all those moments where it felt like IU was dead and then they weren't, it felt like it was straight out of a movie. Like, it really this did. This could, could be the next Hollywood sports movie. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean – Depending on this, how this season goes for IU, uh, if it is the historic one that we think it could be, you know, this is going to be a, a defining moment, if not the defining moment. Uh, but what's the best thing is we have uh, seven games to go. Um, IU closes this one out. Let's talk for just a quick second about uh, kind of the, not to get too uh, dark here, but the, the COVID implications of, of this win. I mean, you've got crazy crowds around the Bloomington campus, crazy uh, numbers of unmasked people in, in pretty confined areas. You know, what do you make of that? And just, I mean, 
it's just tough to – I mean, I understand why it's happening, but it just – it sucks. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it one bit. Uh, it kind of makes you think that you're going to see some some bad numbers coming out of here in the next uh, handful of days. Yeah. You almost hope for that to discourage that, you know? Yeah, no, and that, that was kind of what I was afraid of after the game. And then, lo and behold, I mean, you've seen it. You've seen all the, the photographers from the IDS captured it. I saw a tweet from, from Matt Cohen, uh, the former IU football beat reporter from last year. Uh, he was uh, he was like, yeah, there's no social distancing in these. Check out this gallery. I saw his tweet, and then I saw the, all the pictures from, from the photographers of the IDS. It looked bad. It looked yeah. really bad. Uh, hopefully it's not as awful as uh, you'd think, but got it just a – a bad feeling about it yeah I mean it's I think that's why I have to bring that up just because it it goes without saying that you know huge win and in a non-COVID world I mean it would be unbelievable but you know well it would be like I'd compare it probably to the Kentucky game in 2011 yeah I mean it would have been a crazy crazy night and and for you know I just feel like that's something that that can't happen um but we'll see we'll see what the numbers look like um, just quickly for the upcoming IU uh, slate, I guess, they obviously get Rutgers. Uh, they go to Piscataway this next weekend before hosting Michigan. Um, I think probably, even though Rutgers did look pretty good, IU takes care of business there. And then another home showdown against uh, the Wolverines, right? Yeah, well, I think I think they should probably beat Rutgers, but that's your first concern. Beat Rutgers, Rutgers won against Michigan State. Yep. Be at Michigan Very State, good. turned the ball over seven times. I don't think Indiana's going to turn it over seven times. No. However, mm-hmm. you got to beat Rutgers. You don't want to look ahead to Michigan. Nope. Yeah, the Michigan game is going to be the big one. Michigan gets Michigan State this week. Don't look ahead. Yep. Handle don't Rutgers, handle your business, then worry about Michigan. And and the I guess the the question now becomes for Indiana football. Uh, is this going to be a five and three season? And I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but is this going to be a five and three season where they have one incredible win? Or is this going to be the season where they're able to knock off multiple top tier opponents? Um, Michigan is going to be a top 10 team when they play IU. That will probably be a game where both teams are ranked in the top 20. Um, Ohio State, obviously, as we know, is, is a top three-year top two or potentially the best team in the country, depending on how you feel. Wisconsin looked fantastic uh, in a, a drubbing of Illinois that I didn't see coming. Well, they, uh, they were not the Wisconsin we expected. They were throwing the ball. I expected it because I thought their running backs were bad and uh, I liked their quarterback a lot. But Yeah, Mertz looks really good. It depends if they, they kind of center the offense around him instead of trying to be a run team like they always are. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the funny thing about the Michigan game – is that I, I actually think IU matches up better than Minnesota. Um, for as much as Minnesota, you know, is riding high off of last season, and, and they did return quite a bit, there's just no replacing some of the guys that they lost on that defense. There's no replacing an Antoine Winfield. Um, no, really, there's no replacing a Tyler Johnson on offense. No, yeah, and that's the other thing is, is that you saw last night that it was doubles, it was brackets, it was everything sold, selling out to stop Rashad Bateman. And that's what mm-hmm. teams are going to do to this, this team. And, and for as much as I like Tanner Morgan, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. He's not a guy where I look at him and say, okay, he's going to be able to beat us by himself. Uh, he's not going to be able to, to really take matters into his own hands. And they had some bright spots. Ibrahim was a, a good runner last night. But Michigan mm-hmm. did kind of look like a machine. And so 
uh, that's going to be a fun game, I think, because, you know, Joe Milton and, and Charbonnet and that Haskins on that team, uh, that offense looked pretty good. And, and obviously, as Tom Allen said afterwards, IU has some stuff to clean up. But in the meantime. Oh, a whole lot to clean up. But yeah. they got it done. They got it done. Uh, they finally did it. Um, any any final thoughts on, on the Hoosiers win over Penn State? I think this is the one that turns the tide. Yeah. I think that winning games like this can start to become an expectation after winning this one. I think that that's just going to hopefully be what happens, you know, yeah. didn't think it was going to happen this time, but maybe they can keep doing it. This feels like a huge step in the right direction. They finally got over the hump. Yep. They did it. Pat, uh, tell, tell everyone where we can find your uh, work, your podcast and everything like that. Well, you can find my podcast over on uh, the first and 10. That's first and one G F I R S T and one G. Uh, we talk big 10 football. We'll talk plenty of Hoosiers uh, this coming week uh, with my host, Reed Murray. Uh, you can also find me with Aiden on WIUX FM in Bloomington LP one 99.1. Uh, we do the weekly blitz. Uh, we talk NFL on there. And you can also find my work at the Indiana Daily Student, as well as you just follow my Twitter at Patrick J. Feltz. Uh, but thank you so much for having me on, Aiden. Yep. Uh, this is certainly one that we're going to remember for a very, very long time. We will not forget this one. Our first ever game as students at IU, and it's potentially the biggest win of all time. Thanks, Pat. Right. Have a good one.